If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Season two of Darkness is a six episode podcast examining a series of package bombs that exploded at homes throughout the Austin, Texas area in 2018. The bombs killed three people and injured six more over a period of nearly 20 days, causing fear to envelop the city during Austin's biggest festival. Hosted by Ashley Miznazi and produced by the Drag Audio Production House, you'll hear emotional stories of resilience from the survivors of these crimes, accounts of pain and recovery from the victims' loved ones, and the questions they still have three years later. The podcast takes a closer look at the efforts of law enforcement officials who work to stop the bloodshed, with interviews with the lead investigators for the FBI, ATF, and Austin police. You'll also hear about how the bombings exposed Austin's racial wounds as members of Austin's black community felt they were being targeted by the bomber and ignored by investigators. Listen to season two of Darkness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, hey, hello, everyone. <laughs> hey, listeners, and a special hey, bonjour, hola, to our patrons out there who we love so much. Special shout out to two new patrons this week, Arena and Kiana. Patrons, this is a reminder that we do a book giveaway the first Tuesday of every month. That's the schedule now, I think, yeah. So this next book will be given out on April 5th, 2022. It is Nine Bar Blues by Sheree Renee Thomas, who we definitely are going to try to have on the show at some point. But if you would like to be a patron and join the Patreon, you can find the link to the Patreon in the episode notes. So if you're looking at this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, you can just scroll down. I always put the link to the Patreon in the notes. It's also on our Instagram and all the things. So join the Patreon. Be one of our favorite people in the world. You can join for $1, $2, $3 a month. Now let's get started with the show. I don't know why I snapped. I only do that on... <laughs> I only typically do that on voiceovers, but here we go. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side under the Believe Podcast Network. It's a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page of our marriage, baby. Today for episode 77, we'll be discussing Master... Starring Regina Hall, directed by Mariama Diallo. Mariama Diallo. I want to. I want to jump in real quick. You, you actually can jump in because guess what? You didn't interrupt me during the Patreon shout out. You did not interrupt me during the uh, intro of the show. So say what you got to say, yeah. with your cute So you know how you say staying on the same page of our marriage. You know, I was. I think it's 
sort of unreasonable to stay on the same page in marriage or in life. So I think we should really change <sighs> that try. to say, no, no, I think we, I think we should say, uh, in staying in the same book of our marriage, as, as long as we're reading the same book or maybe even like in the library. Together. Okay. Well, why don't you say it? Say the full intro how so you want like, to be saying. So it's like, you know, a podcast about, about a black, a black, um, a mm. podcast about black science fiction and a fantasy. A podcast about and a black and her husband. A podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying in the same book of our marriage. But nobody says like, hey, are we on the same book? They don't say that. People but, say like, are we on the same page about this issue? Well, there was some person at one point was the first person to say, are we on the same page with this? Well, I'm going to be the first person to say well probably not but are we in the same book or are we in the library it together doesn't slap the same but if you can sound if you can make it work with the alliteration and all those things i'll do it but that one does not roll off the tongue well i think it's a better metaphor personally because we're obviously not on the same page in most situations i know but that's we're reading the, funny the same part. book that's the funny part we're reading the same it's book. called comedy it's comedy right what i'm saying is funny too because people are like is oh it? Are you? Are you? Speaking are of are you, how are you? You never ask me how I'm doing. So that How are you? Great. I'm doing quite well today. Uh, we are recording the episode after you got off work, which I was a little worried about. But mm-hmm. nights are just getting hard for me. It's true. My back is aching. Yep. I you're, would say my bra too tight, but I'm not even wearing not, bras these Bras days. are long gone. Bras are canceled. Burnt. Um, we have a baby doing what... What Second we, wave feminism. We, we have a baby due in 24 days. Not soon so enough. So I, which sound it's so close, but yet so far. So I'm doing my best to, I mean, I, I look at you sleeping at night and yeah. I, I just, I want to hit you. It's, it's really mm-hmm. hard. I won't, but I, I'm I, glad I'm you have the impulse there, control. I, I, I sit there sleeping uncomfortably and you're just snoring oh, and I, you're just counting sheep uh-huh. and am. you're just loving life. And it's I like. Am. How could he? You yeah, know? I understand the feeling. So yeah, okay. But am yeah. I going to change? No. Right. It's just hard looking at you, just like skip around all day, smiling. Speaking of which, when my vagina just hurts. Un- it, without you bringing this up, I would never have noticed that you wore the same thing uh, when you went to bed last night, and this morning, <laughs> and this evening. I would have never noticed. I had on a different shirt from when you went to work versus oh, okay. when you came home. I still wouldn't have noticed. You know why? Because your smile just radiates everything else. It just You're fills doing a good everything job. else. See, this is the energy I need you to stay on. I'm staying on this energy. You, you know are. why? Because you give me this energy. You've been working out, too. I have been working I'm, out. I mean, you look amazing always, but I think you're... I, I really do think that your workouts improve and boost your mood. You, you did a, a major workout yesterday that I'm super sad I wasn't be able I wasn't able I, to go to. It's okay. It really I prefer actually running races on my own. So I did the Shamrock Shuffle, oh. which is a big Chicago race, and I mm-hmm. did that yesterday. And I prefer just going, running. We actually had some friends go and I was like, "You know what? I don't want to meet up with. Them. I don't want to meet up <laughs> these, and these are like wonderful people who are just they're the most incredible people in the fucking world. They and are. I was like, multiple. We actually had multiple friends. I was like, I didn't. I just wanted to run and come back home and continue on with my day. And you did a really good job. I know you like to. For listeners who don't know, Ben was a collegiate athlete and runner, so. 
he's always just comparing what he does now to the glory days and it's like i have no glo- goals now yeah like there's no like point of setting goals for a decade like of course these numbers and these times are going to be a little bit different yeah but but you did a great job yesterday yeah i did yeah yeah i was a minute and like i don't know a minute and 30 seconds slower no, a minute and like 15 seconds slower than I would usually run this so kind of race. What does usually mean? Usually so like, like usually what your for an mile? 8K, for an 8K, I ran it in 6.30 per mile, which I did yesterday. But you like when I was running, I when was you were running, running and when five, you were in college. Just say no, that. not in college, because even when I was with you, I did the, the 15K. When okay. we first started dating five years ago, I was running the 15K so five at 5.30 okay. per mile. And so at... In 8K, um, I was doing like 5.17, 5.15 um, per mile. And and now I'm back to 6.30, which is fine. Like I have to wreck, but it's it has nothing to do with my body getting older. It has everything to do with life decisions, like drinking alcohol and, and not getting... Me. No, 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 so no. So the longer you're with me, the slower you get. Yeah. That's well, what, I guess... Just say what you're trying to say. I guess with you, you've made me funnier and so I'm in I'm in spaces that require me to drink alcohol more. You can't, you can't be, be fast, fast and funny. You, you can't don't be have athletic to keep and alcohol. funny. I haven't drank alcohol in nine months. Yeah, you have not. You have not. That is correct. Uh, yeah. So I if if I did not drink alcohol and continue to work out, I could ease I, not easily, but I could get back to my my glory days. But they're not glory days. I I, I mean even. You got a baby coming. That's a glory day. It is a glory day. But I, I do like running fast and having lots of energy because when I was running that much, I was writing more, I was reading more, and I had more energy when I was exercising that much. I hear you. Not to, you know, jerk my own self off, mm. but metaphorically speaking, like right. I'm jerking myself off a little bit. Yep. Uh, well, to be fair, I let, let's, let's live in the here and now because I think... It's interesting because this is this isn't unique to you, but even as a yogi and uh, I was I was a big stepper in college and an athlete before that playing softball and stuff. It's so hard to compare our bodies to our former bodies, you know. It's probably not healthy as well. I know it's, but it's hard not to do because you look at old pictures of yourself. Yeah. Like even when we both got married, we're always like, look at these pictures yeah. of us getting married versus <laughs> now. But I am. There's our wedding photos over there, and I just look very different i look more um yeah but we're we're in a really good fit, place and athletic. we're like even when i think about like where we were living in those photos i'm like, much happier now it's like yeah i was more toned and more skinny but like i'm way more happy now like correct i can't do a chin stand anymore because of this baby but like a handstand is the way to get happiness i know that's like the yogi of it all like yeah. that's the, the big message they're always like if you can do a handstand then you're happy you will reach enlightenment and it's like no well we still over here crying but okay. you look happy and i'm, I'm feeling better killing. i think finding this balance between working out but also doing fun things as well is important but i I've been I have been running more and I feel more energetic and I feel more alert and I've been drinking a lot less because of you and I need to be aware like if I drink now it's like two beers max and most of the times just one beer because if I get that call like hey Ben you got to drive me to the hospital I do mm-hmm. not want to be drunk and you know me I will begrudgingly tell them like nope don't let him in the birthing center room because he wanted to take shots yeah no shots for me <laughs> the only shot I'm getting is a vaccine 
and that's it. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, you will see Ben is repping his uh, Shamrock Shuffle shirt. Shamrock I Shuffle. ran it one year in 2017, maybe. So maybe next year. And I we'll jumped run in it as a family. You I did. jumped in and ran next to you. You did. I did. I I didn't have enough money. I know so you I... didn't tell me that at the time, which I totally would have just paid for it, but. You told me that the other night, and I was like, "That's why you didn't run it." You or uh, next to me. Or the other time, you uh, your brother came to visit Chicago during New Year's. Yes. <laughs> and I oh didn't have my a month. gosh! Let me tell y'all this freaking story real quick. So one New Year's Eve, I was like, "Oh Ben, like we should do this thing where this this party bus will take you from bar to bar. It's like a little bar crawl. It'll be super cute and it's all inclusive. It includes the bus and the bars, blah 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 blah." And Ben was like, "Well, I'll, I'll just run to each bar." And I was like, "Well, no." Well, I was like, "Well, no. My brother's in town. I want him to meet you. How about like I just pay for all three of us?" And you were like, "No, no, no. I, I love to run and." I'll really like enjoy running. I was like, yeah, but you're going to be running on a, a beer stomach and all of that. Yeah, or, Amber didn't I understand. Know. I was running like 80 miles a week at this point. So you that, were, you were. So I, I had the energy, but not the funds. Right. And I was like, what? I was like, why are you being like a man about this? Like, I'll just pay for you because I don't know how far apart these bars are. So a couple of the bars were only like a mile or yeah. a quarter mile. But some of them were, I was like, what? I mean, uh, I don't yeah. know how long it's going to take him to get here. It's actually, it's funny because in most cases, you beat I, us I to beat the us. bar. I beat you to but the bar. But also, the party bus had, like, you know, everybody's dancing on the stripper pole, and there was, like, shenanigans happening on the bus. So I missed it a little. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, I get it. You're a broke hoe. Like, I still uh, like broke, you. Like, a I was, broke college kid. Yeah. I, maybe that was just at a point around our relationship where you were just trying was, to really mask, like... I was no. working on my master's and I, I didn't, I was in a relationship before where, um, like the person, if, if they had to pay for me, they were really annoyed. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It was so I, embarrassing. That's not cool. <laughs> I just got, I mean, obviously like you're not still. Oh like, my God. I went to this person's birthday and I, I had like eight bucks in my bank account. And she was like, you're not helping her pay. And I was like, I, I have no money. Well, this is... it's Her it, best friend was like, you're not helping her pay. I'm like, I'm, I'm completely Oh, broke. her best friend was like, you're not going to buy her a birthday drink? And I you're was like, like, I'm broke. I yeah. have no money. Yeah, I didn't understand. Like, I should have like... Got, and I didn't have a credit card at that point. Yeah. Well, one, I... It, it was one of those things for me where... Because people always look at us now and they're like how do y'all just get along so well? And how did you know Ben was the one? And, and people, it's easy for people to think that or whatever. Also, we think the one is stupid, but it's easy for p- people to think that now when it's like, well, when I met Ben, he was just starting grad school. So he wasn't balling or, sh- or yeah. shot calling, if you will. But I saw, you know, you just had so much promise and potential. And it's like, you're you're in grad school, so you obviously have goals and you're ambitious. So I can like spot you some money here and there. I mean, and you know, I've also been in the world right now of Netflix where these men are asking these women for like I'm I'm referencing Tinder Swindler and Bad Vegan. These men are asking these women for like thirty for forty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars if you want if you want me to make your dog immortal, you know. And you wouldn't even ask me to buy a $50 pub crawl ticket. So I was just like, man, I will buy it for you. Like, relax. Because I had a, a really steady income at the time I was teaching at the high school. I mean, I wasn't balling out. But, 
you you just like refuse to let me pay for anything big. So all of our dates were very like, let's go to the dog beach. Yeah. Let's go, go to, to the, the library. Remember we went to the Harold Washington library and we, we went did. up to the the top floor. Yeah. Remember they had and that, it was fun. Yeah. Well, because you were still creative. And that's why, you know, when people are like, I can't date this guy. He's super broke. I'm like. There's broke and then there's just like lack of creativity, lack of promise, yeah. lack of vision, you know. I think there's broke and then there's broke ass. I was broke, but not broke ass, <laughs> you know. I also might like broke is a mindset, right? I didn't have money, that, but that didn't mean I was broke, right? I, right? I could still be creative and do things and find like cheap tickets or like, you know. And um, you still put in effort. Like I there did. are men, they're like, well, I, I can't go. I'm broke. It's like, you're like, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to run to each bar and I'm still going to be there to make y'all laugh. Like you still, Hell yeah. I don't know. It's those are like it, as shitty as it was then. Like we still like you never missed a date and we had a good time. And yeah, and I we're still that. having a good time. And, and now of, I have money. <laughs> yes, you do, baby. And I'm more miserable. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, okay. Well, just kidding. Your that, child's that was gonna be here in 24 days. Yes, so you no, got 24 I'm, days to get happy. Um, I don't think one of the speaking happy. of the word "good," I'm I'm introducing a new segment of the podcast right now. New and, segment. And I want you to uh, stick to it. We don't have any Apple Podcast ratings to read this week. Y'all need to fill out some more Apple Podcast ratings. No, we so appreciate all of the ratings that you've done so far. But if you have not given us a little shout out on Apple Podcasts, go forth and do that. But in lieu of that, we have a new segment I'm calling The Patrons Got a Point. So last week on the Patreon, we basically asked a question. And that question was, how do I, as Ben's wife, compliment him or acknowledge the thing that he's doing without placing a value judgment on it? A value judgment meaning calling it good or calling it great. So here's a non-example of what I shouldn't do. So Ben washes the dishes. I come in and was like, oh, Ben, you did a good job with the dishes. The word, oh, Ben, you did a great job with the dishes. That is something that is, I want to start shying away from. So I asked the patrons like, hey, I'm, you know, the, the former high school teacher in me keeps saying this sentence. So what is a way that I can acknowledge what Ben has done without putting a value judgment, good or great on it? So I, I pulled four of those um, from the the comments that I saw. This one is from Rise Talks for the Tax Pro. You know, we love y'all over here at the South by Side Podcast. Uh, she said, uh, LaShawn said, it makes me feel so good when you help around the house. I appreciate you love. So that's one way I can say like, if Ben's washing the dishes, like it makes me feel good when you help around the house. Mm. Still kind of using the word good, but I appreciate you is a, a great way to just not place like a good or great on the situation. Chanel says, um, and, and I'll also acknowledge that some of these were a little bit longer, but I just shortened them for this little, the Patreons, the patrons got a point segment. Chanel said, I would just say, thanks so much for cleaning the kitchen. I appreciate you. Focus more on recognizing the act than the manner in which the act was done. Yeah, so, because I'm never cleaning the kitchen happily. What? What? So, so, well, I, I don't come in saying like, oh, you more happily on- clean the kitchen. I, I come in saying that the job was good, great, not so great. Oh, remember you wanted me to want to do something you're like i it's, he said something you know i want you to want to dress up more yeah I was like, that's never gonna happen it's not right so oh, oh yeah or last week for my freaking birthday ben had on like just like a sweaty t-shirt that he always wears or wanted to wear like a graphic tee or something i was like 
been, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm not feeling like my most beautiful self. And I put on a jacket. Can you at least put on a nice shirt? And you were just like, I'm taking you out. Like, well, what's the big deal? You know, huffing and puffing and house will blow down. Bullshit. Did I sound like that? Yeah. In my mind. Okay. And cause I'm thinking like, there's no way he's copying an attitude with me right now. At, oh, at this, good, I wasn't wearing it. I was at gonna, this third trimester. I was gonna wear a collared dry fit shirt, which is a step, a no, half well, step above it's not been a graffiti. You, you wore that shirt to work. I did. So you were fully like coming home from a long, sweaty day of dealing with the kids, and not even willing to change your shirt to take me out to dinner on my birthday, our last birthday as a twosome. And I was just like, ah, come on, can I, like, bitches like to feel special. And you did eventually change, and then I felt bad for making you change. Whatever. But I just need to, like Chanel said, focus on recognizing the act more. Uh, we got two more here. Uh, I'm sorry, are you busy? No, I'm, I'm, oh, I, I'm I, adding things and notes to what we're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can wait. You know, no, no, I, I'm I adding, the, no, I'm listening. I'm, I'm oh, adding okay. notes, well, yeah. why, so, well uh, why don't you read the last two then? Yeah, sure. All I'm, right. I'm treating you like a student. Carl, are you listening? You Courtney. Know, Carl, why don't you pick up where we, we were? We got Courtney uh, agreeing with the folks above. It diminishes the perfectionism we're trying to unlearn. So this idea of putting value judgments, uh, perfectionism, we should unlearn it. It's not healthy. It's not attainable. It is stressful. Yeah. Unlearn. I saw a really cool shirt where this person was, it was a graphic tee. It said unlearn, but it was written upside down. Oh, nice. One of my favorite quotes ever is from Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. In the front, it says, if they give you lined paper, write the other way. I'm sure you're... I love that. That's sort of my so life. your mother loves that. As a child. Yeah. yeah. If someone gives you line paper, don't write in the lines. Write outside of them. Just trying to be different. Yes. Hell yeah. And then read the last one for me, would you please? Uh, Hannah says, a simple, I appreciate you and this time we have together is quite nice. I like that. Hannah um, also talked a little bit about um, just being a, a parent of two kids and acknowledging like, we were supposed to share the damn chores. You know, uh, Hannah didn't say that exactly, but I, I embellished there a little bit. But it's like, I shouldn't even have to thank you because we, you, mm. you know, I used to love saying to you like, well, I don't clap for a fish for swimming, Ben. Yeah. And now I started clapping and you were like, but you're clapping too loudly because of the, I'm just like, oh my God, that's my mommy's say growing up. Like, well, what? I was like, well, look, I brought home my A plus and she's like, do I clap for fish to swim? No. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but this is a really hard test. Anyway, uh, so thank you, patrons, for chiming in there. I'm sure something will come up in the podcast where we will have some other corners for for us to discuss and discourse. But that was super helpful because I'm not a I've, – I've only been married to you, what, three years? We've been together seven, almost eight years. So I'm not an expert by any stretch. And so we love getting solicited feedback from y'all um, on the Patreon. And – with that being said, let's take a quick break so that we can jump into Master when we pop back in. Before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. 
A lot of people face pressures to change themselves, to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique. And what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and it focuses on progress, not perfection. Allowing you to work toward your goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons that help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finished the program and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe. Baby, it's cold outside. And you know that winter weather can leave your skin feeling ashy, crusty, dry. So what's the solution? Quench your thirsty skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with Way Melrose Place Body Cream. It's fast absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it the most, hydration that lasts and prevents dryness, and high quality nourishing ingredients like squalane, coconut oil, kapwaku butter, and jojoba seed oil. Experience the new way Melrose Place Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and use the code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V is in the episode notes to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with code BELIEVE. All right. So we're back. Uh, we will have spoilers for this entire film. Uh, there, It is a great film. So we're just going to start saying, like, definitely watch this film mm-hmm. before you listen to this because there is a major spoiler, a huge twist that caught both of us by surprise. And I did not think they were going to do that. And the um, interestingly enough, this plot point, which we'll get to at the end, the director really wanted to happen, but execs were... Um, sort of uh they rebelled against that a little bit and she's uh the director was like no this this needs to happen um all right so i just uh took this quick summary from digital spy so basically for those who want to just listen before uh they watch it it deals with um uh gail who is played by regina hall uh and she's just been promoted to master and is this college uh, Ann Caster's first black woman in the post. Uh, and then she um, finds herself supporting this uh, freshman Jasmine, Zo- who's played by Zoe Renee, a uh, black girl, who is clashing with her professor and Gail's friend, a black woman named Liv, uh, played by Amber Gray. And uh, it sort of deals with first semester freshman black college girls experience in a predominantly white school. Um, Ancaster is essentially a Harvard in, in many ways um, or a Yale. So it's an Ivy league, new England uh, place. It's fictional. So it's not real, but the director is very much in, you know, I believe she went to Harvard and uh, this is inspired by her experience at Harvard for sure. So, um, yeah, Amber, uh, first impressions, what'd you think about like when we were done with this film? I really enjoyed this topic because I know that we 
it's it's something that we don't talk about a lot because we're always you know there is a lot of of black culture and excellence to celebrate at at the collegiate level especially when it comes to like HBCUs and the images that we have of colleges on TV that have had black representation really do give it a joyful experience. It's kind of like the opposite of slave movies and stuff. Like when, when I think about black people in college, I think about like different world and yeah. uh, the Cosby show. And so when we do go to college, I'm somebody who went to a PWI, went to the university of Georgia. When we do, do when we do go to college and it's not an HBCU, you're like, what happens all? <laughs> like, yeah, it almost romanticizes it yes, a little yes, bit. And this- yes, and you're the only bl- like black girl on your floor and one of uh, three black people in your classes. Thankfully, yeah. the community at UGA was really small, and we, we even named ourselves Booga, uh, Black uh, UGA. Uh, University of Georgia. Right. Yeah, I, U- I said the University of Georgia oh, when I first... My bad. But if I did it, thank you for correcting me. So in Booga, we were very close and we did have sororities and fraternities and things like that. But I think this really perfectly captured the experience when black students don't have that. I'm also as a former high school teacher. The last year I taught high school, I was a college counselor and we had so many kids who went to, you know, got a full ride to University of Vermont, got a full ride to Boston College, got a full ride to Northwestern, and then sometimes would drop out junior year, senior year. And they, they, they're carrying the weight of the world because they're like, I'm the first in my, co- my family to do this. But my God, like this, I, I just wasn't prepped for this culture shock because I am from the South Side of Chicago or what have you. So I'm really glad that this film addressed because because this film is horror so i'm i'm glad that this film addressed sort of the horrors of whiteness once you've air quote made it um in college what did you think about it i loved it it yeah i I mean i did love the film sorry i I just thought it was a good yeah i think what i found sort of intriguing and sort of an, an essential question this film explores is how do you deal with belonging and acceptance when uh, that acceptance and belonging is only partial and incomplete. And so Gail becomes this master and you, everyone refers to the person as master. So you're playing with this phrase master and she's in this home that has always been run, you know, run by white men for the most part. And there's pictures in the home and she is oftentimes going through stuff and she sees a picture of like a black servant and she's reminded of that. Or she sees a picture of, um, you know, uh, you know, someone associating black people with like, you know, apes. And she's seeing this research, like old research papers. And she has these haunting dreams while sleeping in here. And there's this rot that's just hidden underneath this building she's in with all this history of oppression. And so in her mind, Gail thinks like, oh, now she has all this power as a major faculty. And she can now even support her friend Liv to get tenure, who's the other black professor there as well and so you're sort of Mm -hmm. left with this question of like partial acceptance and and it's it's just so interesting because so many people who think they have you know integrated or they think that they've assimilated there are these moments where where you're brought out you're totally Mm -hmm. ripped out 
and this film shows that both through like Gell's experience Mm -hmm. and through um, Jasmine's experience. Yeah, to be uh, black in this country and to excel is to not quite excel because, I mean, even right now we're looking at the first uh, Supreme Court justice being a black woman, the first black woman being elected as a Supreme court justice or selected rather. And there is, I mean, I, I I have not been doing my research on this, but I just know that she's the first and there's already tons of discourse about like, you know, the same Kamala Harris. It's like, she's been just as toxic for the black community as white men. Like we can't just celebrate her cause she's black. And it's like, you're never just going to quite make it. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm picking a side either way, but it, it makes, yeah, I am. It, it, It makes me happy that like, this is, one of three <laughs> black people to ever be named to the Supreme Court, and she, she's just getting an onslaught of black, a backlash, a blacklash shit. I, that, I said it right. Um, and so, and I, I'm not even gonna spend time talking about everything why, because I do not have all of the receipts to back up everything. But when you are the first black person, I mean, Ruby Bridges, you know, Claudette Colvin on the bus, or Ruby Bridges with the school, or. Um, at my college, it was uh, Charlene Hunter Galt. She was one of the first black students at the University of Georgia. And it was, I mean, as you can imagine, it was the 60s. So she, no one wanted to room with her. No one wanted to be in class with her. So it's like, even when you make it, even when you get in, and, and you know, to compare it to myself, like, even when you're like, I hit, this is why I didn't, sometimes on the internet, people are like, you didn't do anything to celebrate when you hit 100 million a million followers on TikTok. It's like, well, what what changed? Like, I'm I'm still trying to like convince people that I'm worth a certain rate. I'm still trying to like talk to my social media agent and then argue with her about this rate or whatever. Like, so why? I don't know. Why would I celebrate this milestone? <laughs> because I'm like the yeah. work is just beginning at this point. Um. Yeah, And I think this movie did a really great job showing like, even though you're tenured, even though you're the first master, you're never really truly going to be seen like they are. So you just, you you know, not to be a downer about it, but you, you just keep grinding and keep making milestones for yourself. And I think this movie did that great. And, and I really enjoyed that this movie going because it, it, it mirrored, Regina Hall's experience, well, Gail Bishop, I should say, that's her character. Gail Bishop, the master of the house, and uh, Jasmine Moore, the student, the freshman girl, they did a really great, the director did a really great job sort of mirroring their experiences as a freshman and then years later as a professor because they were sort of in the same level. But they, this, this, bright-eyed, optimistic freshman arriving on campus, you know, taking all the SATs, doing all the tests, doing all the things to finally get here and still be mistreated. And the only shitty part about that is, it's like when you finally do reach one of those goals that maybe your family hasn't reached, they really don't want to hear it then. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause you, you, I don't know how much of this can share. Let me know if you need to cut me this later, but Ben has his students right now are sort of going through that process of like getting accepted into certain high schools and things like that. And a lot of pressure is on them. But at a certain point as black people, we all surpass sometimes in a lot of cases, not for me because my mom literally has a PhD, but in some, but for my father, right. 
once I got to college, he didn't want to hear anything I was complaining about because mm. he was like, at least you even got to go to college, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, but I'm having trouble with this professor. And I really think that this is not what I think it is. And he's like, well, I don't want to hear it because I didn't even get an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. And so when once you like have maxed out where your family has been or where most of your friends have been, at that point, you really don't have any community because you can't explain something to people who haven't been a part of it. Or anytime I try to complain to my mom about something social media related or like, just some a little hiccup. She's like, "Yeah, but you have all these followers. Like, who cares?" I'm just like, yeah. "I still, well, b- yeah, cut me off." Cut well, me off. well, that's when you f- have to find a new community. I think that's sort of the key. Is sometimes people think that this foundation that they already had will always remain their foundation, and sometimes some, some people will just never fully understand that experience you're going through, and that's when you have to find your new community. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's hard for some people to have that disruption in their foundation. But sometimes you have to go, sometimes your foundation rots. So you got to go and replace mm-hmm. part of it, which is not fair. Yeah. And it's interesting because people will ask me all the time, um, <laughs> you know, three people. People ask me all the time. People ask me all the time. <laughs> how do you They're make like, that you glow work? You are so confident. Like, how do you get around imposter She's syndrome? Not. And you're kind of like, to be black is to constantly live with imposter syndrome. Like, like it, yeah, I'm not confident. Yeah, I've just you been an imposter sorry. my whole life. Bro. Like, you, you're always feeling like an imposter. So I've just sort of like, if, if 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 imposter syndrome is like jumping into a pool of ice cold water, it's just like I've just been in that water longer. So I'm just completely desensitized to like being rejected by something at this point because it's just happened so many times. Like, I try to tell people that all the time, but. Some things that I really loved that this, this movie did a lot of big things with that theme, but they also did a lot of, maybe it wasn't like, subtle. What theme are you talking about? This theme of like the, the, the physical and mental, the, the, the psychological shock of being a black uh, person on in, a white campus. Universe, yes. And then they did, and, and did great job with some examples of things that everybody can experience, right? You're the black person at the house party, and then everybody starts saying the N-word in the song that comes yeah. on, and you're like, you're oh, like oh, we were having a good night. Now I have to go through this internal conflict of like hearing all these white yep, people shout, there's a scene. whatever. And then this movie also did a great job with doing some visual things where Jasmine Moore, the freshman, her first day on campus, she came with her curls and things like that. And then like sort of as she starts to try to really fit in with her classmates, she, her hair is straight for yeah. multiple scenes of the movie. So they make that very clear. And then at some point she like recoils it again. So she's going, you know, slowly starting to accept herself. But it just did a really good job with like those things that we were noticing. Yeah, one of the film uh, the, the film explores is how do people deal with microaggressions mm-hmm. and Gail and Jasmine sort of um, approach approach that in different ways. So at one point, Jasmine is hanging out with her white roommate who has all her white friends in there, and you know, one there's a white boy who sees Jasmine is like, "Who are you?" And then the white boy is like, "Oh, let me guess, Beyonce." And then they, they start naming like all like Lizzo all the black people they know and Jasmine sort of makes a joke about it, right? Like she sort of shrugs it off. And then there's Gail who faces microaggressions and she um, ignores them. So like you can either like lash out, you can ignore them and how you face the microaggression sort of becomes um, uh, a big part of this, this theme. Uh, And I, I thought that was interesting because the way you deal with microaggressions is, 
um, with a- aggression. Me? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. At this age. At, <laughs> at this, this age. age and at this pregnancy stage. <laughs> I'm like, well, sometimes I assess the the pros and cons of addressing this. Cause sometimes it's like, am I ever going to really have to talk to this person again? No, like fuck them. But, or, or I might overhear something. Like I remember one time we probably said it's on the podcast before, but one time Ben's like our neighbor who's like rarely in town came up to Ben and, and Ben was like, been super friendly so he was introducing himself and he was like i'm ben i live at this place like we live right across from you blah 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 and then something happened where i came outside to just move something and i was like hey and then the neighbor was like oh uh, oh i see what you got there so he made some comment and i was like welcome to the i was like okay time to go yeah it it was weird i I can't i I don't think i'm doing a, a good job describing his reaction but he just like I literally said hey to him and he didn't even acknowledge me. He just looked at you and was like, "Uh oh, you got a little something something over there." I'm like, "Excuse me? Like I'm his wife." I I, I didn't even say anything. I just went in the house. Yeah. And and now we've never seen him again. I think he like. I think he moved. Maybe yeah, he got he into mo- a car accident. <laughs> died. I don't wish that on him, but I was just kind of I like, "What?" A, a part of being black sometimes is people like complimenting your hair and doing it to each other or complimenting you or just not engaging with you like a human being it's like oh look at your little your plaything. Or- yeah yes yes it was very that and i was kind of just like i'm his wife and we own this space together and you are asshole number who or whatever yeah so i but if if there are things that happen that are a bit more aggressive i and i'm gonna have to see this person time and time again oh i will definitely knock your fucking block off and just like say like let me talk to you today about something you said that kind of irritated me yeah (laughs) and and obviously they're like heart starts beating or whatever but i don't i don't even care anymore i just like address it head on because it's like what do i have to lose and sometimes people are actually like super receiving of that information which is nice Let's uh, get into the horror aspect of this. Yes, because so, it does have to do with like witches and stuff too. On top of all of this racism and microaggressions, we got, we got witches. And culture shock. It's some witches in this bitches. So Jasmine essentially moves into this room that is supposedly haunted because this girl named Treasure like hung herself or whatever. Or Margaret or every year. I yeah, think it's that's like that. someone dies in this room. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as jasmine moves into this room she starts having these horrific dreams of like oh they're they're very terrifying like i got goosebumps and she ends up waking up with like marks on herself and uh one of the dreams is a hand sort of like scratches her arm and she wakes up with like massive scratches on her arm and another dream she wakes up with this you know, witch coming through her window because there's this whole idea that there's a witch haunting the grounds because this witch was killed and burned, you know, you know, in the 1600s. So she's having these dreams. And meanwhile, as she's having these dreams, Gail is also having dreams and seeing like visions and stuff inside the master house. All of that's happening while Liv, who is this black professor, trying to get tenure <laughs> yeah we'll get yeah we'll get there yet we'll get there this black professor trying to get tenure and um 
Jasmine is brilliant. She's, you know, she's from the suburbs and she writes a paper exploring the Scarlet Letter, but doesn't really write it through a critical, like, race theory lens. She decides to use a different lens to write her paper, which you can read Scarlet Letter through a critical lens, or you could read it through, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, new criticism. being well, well, there's just different ways to read a text, right? You can mm-hmm. read uh, a, a text through a queer lens, or you could read it through a Marxist lens. Right. And so Jasmine writes her paper that's not through a critical race theory lens, which is fine, like, whatever. And she gets like an F on it. Yeah, and she's like, my writing, yeah, yeah, she's like, my writing is good. So she confronts this black professor, Liv, and Liv is like, well, you didn't, you didn't write about race, and you didn't write about these things. She's like, I, I didn't want to go that route. Like, and... Or she was claiming that, like, the Scarlet Letter... The Scarlet Letter. Did you ever read the Scarlet Letter? I have, it yeah. It was more like high school. Yeah, I, I read it. But I, I, I recognize that they probably needed something that was, like, general knowledge. But, right. yeah, she, she probably analyzed it through a feminism lens. Yeah. Through a, like, because, you so, know, the Scarlet Letter is about, like... What was it about again? She it's about a... a on her chest. It's or, about um, a woman... In a Puritan town, who has right. a uh, um, a child out, out of, of wedlock? wedlock. Yes, yes. But yes. it turns out it's this pastor who was the one who's the father. Right. So she was probably writing it through a religious lens yeah. or a, a a womanist lens. Yeah, a feminist lens, feminist, yes. probably. And so she confronts, and she ends up um, saying that her grade is unfair, and so she applies for this grade to be taken away. Yeah, like an appeal and to, to prove an appeal. And it's the film does such a great job because, um, what? Yeah. So so as that is happening, there's these strange events happening to Jasmine to a point where at one point Jasmine becomes so haunted because she ends up learning in the 1960s that um, this woman kept a journal and was having similar visions that ja- that Jasmine is having. For today, mm-hmm. Margaret. Uh, Margaret. I think it's her name. Yeah, mm-hmm. Margaret is having. Who's actually, you know, who actually died. So there's there's a witch who was killed, you know, hundreds of years ago, and then in the '60s, a black woman, one of the first black women at this college, hangs herself and writes about hearing strange noises at night and all this stuff. Um, as that's happening, uh, Jasmine um, also gets his bad grade once she applies for this grade to be taken away she starts having like like a noose is hung on her door all these like weird like racist things start happening to her a cross a burning cross is put outside and she ends up you know having to go to a um she ends up feeling like running away and going out um and ends up in a hospital ends up getting really hurt and uh sort of um what we find out is, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- I guess, yeah. Want to want to help me out here? What what other things like throughout those like the noose on the door, um, at the burning cross. And- yeah, they they blur the lines of like what's happening in a dream or in her head and what's happening in real life, and also they're also coupling that with 
horror that's happening to Gail as well. Like she sees this painting upstairs and it has it's a painting of her and it's like maggots, maggots running out of its mouth it. and a moth You're running like, through oh. its eye and they're like they just Horrific. do a great job with the symbolism of, of black people are always being haunted no matter what so, stage of education or growth that they feel yeah. that they're reaching in. So fairly early on I was like, oh Liv is the one Yeah, that's the scariest yeah. part of the movie. Like the- Liv <laughs> is the one doing these racist things. Like right, Liv sets yeah. up the Burning Cross because the Burning Cross happens. Yeah, that's how Ben justified with, yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. The Burning Cross happens after and the news happens after um Jasmine, you know, claims that she's been given a bad grade because of, you know, she's not doing she's not writing through the lens that the professor wanted her to write. And I find that so, I found that so fascinating because there's this tension between Liv and this, you know, the student Jasmine, because Liv at one point says, you know, like, it's hard to be here, you know, where you come from. And Jasmine's response to that is like, dude, like you're black, I'm black. Like, you don't know where I'm from. I'm from the fucking suburbs. I was valedictorian. I'm from Tacoma, Washington, Mm -hmm. you know, um, my I had a roommate in college who was from Tacoma, Washington. Like, you know, most of my stu- you know, classmates were white. Like, you don't know where I'm coming from. And I, in in that moment, I was like, oh, Liv, Liv is a white woman. <laughs> right. Yes, Liv. The movie did a really great job. You know, well, if if you're a black person, you sort of were hip kind of early in the movie that Liv was like the Rachel Dolezal of the movie because yeah, she, she had these same braids in her head all semester. <laughs> that and they never withered. <laughs> all, that was her edges a dead were giveaway. always perfectly laid. I'm like, damn, it's been a winter season, it's been a summer season. You still got these same braids and they just look flawless. This is a wig. You you yeah. lying, bitch. Um, but she would also do something like, oh, I'm headed home for Thanksgiving. Can't wait to taste those collard greens and yams. You're like, mm-hmm. oh. And you're like, black people just don't talk to each other like that. So that's. She she hams up her blackness. And so by the end of the movie, <laughs> you know, earlier in the she movie. About, her bla- there she was a, ham- There was an opportunity for a she joke. She ham hocked. You can't, you can't her, let those her go blackness. to waste, <laughs> Basically, we find out that there's these phone calls that are happening to Gail. And every time Gail picks up, she's like, I need to talk about my daughter elizabeth and actually elizabeth is liv we find out liv has a black it has a white parents and yes. so liv has been has been faking to be black this whole time She's wearing it as a costume get tenure mm-hmm. and and then we're left to assume and this is totally open up to to belief we're left to assume that like Liv, Liv is, the is the one doing these the, things. Or the witch is the white person who drapes blackness on and off like a cloak in the night. Yeah. yeah. What what I found the big question was, because we're not left to this, we're sort of left to our own devices, is Liv the one doing these things to... I, I'm left to assume, like, I I, because she puts a hood on at the end. Mm-hmm. Liv puts this hood on that we've seen a hooded figure throughout the movie, right. sort of haunting um jasmine like what do you think about that i raise you one and i'm thinking that the i'm i don't know but i think a a bigger takeaway is that Liv's deception is just as damaging as the burning of the cross or the noose on the door i think So I'm I think I found myself being less concerned with like, is she the witch? Is she not? 
and more concerned about like the not more concerned, but I, I took inventory in my mind of the these acts are just as brutal as those acts. Mm. So I, I think that's why I'm struggling to answer that question like head on. So her tenure was not part of the when they're having tenure discussion, uh at one point they say like we're hesitant to give you tenure because a student has mm-hmm. said this about you. And right. they reference specifically Jasmine. And in that moment it's like, oh, like Liv is not gonna let anything stand in her way to get tenure. She right. wants tenure more than anything. So she's gonna try everything she can to get rid of Jasmine. Yeah. Um, which I thought made sense like her she had a strong motivation however jasmine does kiss her roommate's boyfriend but i think that's sort of like a week yeah at at one point yeah her roommate amelia moves out and then you're like well who's the witch now it could be amelia it could be i don't know i i was just less concerned about where's waldo and more concerned about like the implications of live getting tenure is like now the damage is just going to continue to be done yeah so how do we rectify that and i and i know people are going to be like you really think like a white girl wearing box braids is the same as like a burning cross it's like if this white woman now has the power to like disenfranchise other black people and like jump in and out of blackness yeah i do like yeah you can and put she uses out. the n-word constantly she says like yes. let me teach during her tenure party she ends up getting tenure during her tenure party she ends up playing you know city, city girls <laughs> and start like rapping and then and then that's when like Gail is like, fuck you. You're a fucking liar. Um, And there's this huge moment where, you know, Jasmine is struggling throughout this entire time. And Jasmine feels like someone is chasing from her. So, you know, at one point she's attempting to get away. She falls out of her her building. Right. Has to go to the hospital. And Gail confronts Jasmine and says, it's everywhere. Right. Like this racism is everywhere. And don't give up. And so Jasmine comes back to the school. And then, you know, five minutes left into the movie, Jasmine hangs herself. Yeah. And um, I don't believe Jasmine hung herself. I think Liv killed her. Oh, that's where we differ. I think Liv 100% killed her. Like got into the room and killed her to get tenure. Because because when Gail meets um, Liv's mom, she says like, Liv has Liv has the devil inside her, and this mm. idea for someone to that be sociopathic, and at one point she's like, nothing will stand in it my way. It would make sense that oh, that just gave me chills because I really thought I don't know I I think I assumed Jasmine killed herself at, as a as a as a form of like I'm not afraid like I'm gonna do it before you do sort of a la yeah. Underground Railroad when we saw that. Um, or or her being like I've had enough type. I've of had thing. enough. Like, I, or I'm gonna. I, I I don't know that, but it would make sense that Liv did, especially with her. Yeah, you know, I hate to be like discriminatory religious wise, but like, you know, because of her like Amish. <laughs> like they just, I'm not trying to call Amish people killers. I'm just saying like they they sort of set it up for these like puritanic puritanical. Well, yeah, I don't know. There's yeah, just some so Liv's, undertones there of like witch trials and Salem and the Scarlet Liv's, Letter yeah. and all of that. Liv's family is like Amish people. Right. And, you know. There's Liv- just something about those Amish people, you know. Somebody's going to take this clip out of context. Uh, you know, Amish <laughs> are actually quite quite progressive <laughs> guys, cons- yes. considering. They are. I've um, seen them at like abortion rallies and shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Anabaptists in general, they are anti-war. 
they're they're pacifists, hardcore pacifists. Yeah. So they were from day one. They are against the Iraq Afghan Afghanistan war. They're, but they look like witches. <laughs> You know, like long, like yeah, cloak. I, like, I hear you. Like it made sense why Liv would have that cloak. It's like, oh yeah, she used to be yep. a part of this, like, you know, religion. Maybe she kept this. One of in one of the the ending of the film, you're, you're sort of like, you're not given an answer, right? Right, you're not. And so I, what we do know is that, like whether it's real or not, the haunting remains the same, right? Right, and because, there's and, this level of like, Jasmine got out, and now Gail will get out. That's yeah. the, that's why I concluded that Jasmine killed herself. Yeah, that making it's like that I got decision. out the way I wanted to. Yeah, and Gail at the end of the film, um, there's all these wonderful chapter titles that are like scrawled and sort of like journalistic style, and um, it's every it's everywhere is one of the chapter titles. But then the last one is I'm not going anywhere, and every time every chapter title uh, character says it, and that phrase ends up meaning something something way more Mm -hmm. so it's everywhere is this idea that you can never escape racism as soon as you think that you've made it through and yeah i'm not gonna uh, lie i didn't need those yeah but yeah i i think it was a nice little touch those title cards but at one point there's this wonderful like homage to the shining where gail is sitting in the master house and is looking around the room and she sees you know one of the one of the current faculty he, she sees his face and right next to him is his like grandfather's face presumably and then he she sees a picture of you know these ma- these other masters playing cards and then she sees them in real life playing cards and she sees she's surrounded by all these pictures and she realizes that her being here is actually not changing anything like yes. she's still being part of this system and propelling the system forward and the only reason she's become master is just to become like a check of the box type of thing. Right. And they do this really good. Um, this wasn't on here, but they, they have this really haunting and chilling diversity video that they do. About oh, my the God. As well. That is, is a nice, creepy touch. And I, I it's think like right the, after the cross burning. As right. soon as you this horrific image like next scene, like we value diversity, inclusion, look. And it's like literally four people. I, I really think that this movie did a great job of saying, like, honestly, in order for black people or marginalized people to feel comfort, we have to create and uh, sustain systems that we've created or environments that we have created. Like, you there's mean no humans way have created hu- or- or, or, or no, you're saying that black you, you have to create the own, you cannot work within the system that was right. designed on oppression and these and desi- yes and I these cannot. Ancaster College was presumably built by slaves. It had you know slaves serving the college at one point, or and, and it, it had servants, and it denied black people enrolling until the '60s, and right. that's the foundation. And even throughout the movie, they show tons of black people working the grounds, yeah. working the lunch. Oh, the that was so. Yes, and which is very true. I I remember like there was definitely a black lady. I want to say her name was Miss Sandra or something that worked in the the dining hall at UGA, and she was always like very like, "Hey, baby, come on in." To to the white students and the black ones, honestly. But you know, the movie tried did a a yeah. nice like she's she only did that to the white students there. But I I think the bigger takeaway from the movie are are two big things. Like one, it is. There is a horror when people try to 
wear blackness as a costume and that is something that we need to be just as weary of and just as aware of as like when, those those people are dangerous they are dangerous yeah. i i <laughs> some and 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 sometimes they don't even know how dangerous they are we can say that and the movie implies that actually they're demon possessed or they're possessed yes and i think something, like a, there's an evil on them which i don't completely <laughs> like I'm, I'm thinking about somebody. I, I I have to. Um, I I interact with someone who does similar things to that, and I will. I like because I know this person well. I would not say that there's an evil in them, but well, there is a danger to what they are doing that they are unable to see. I will well, say. I think it's also different. There's a difference. Okay, so there's levels of cultural appropriation. Right. So a a white woman who pretends that they're black and says that I'm black. And says, this is my culture, and I'm and, going to write, I'm only going to grade things that are written through mm-hmm. a critical and race theory to get lens. Tenure, and making and, money and dollars. And, and, and making yes. money, mm-hmm. and um, will literally, uh, because another, Liv, Liv had all the motivation. Mm-hmm. She burns a burning cross. The school has to make sure that they don't look racist. Of course, they're going to give yeah, another black. Hard. Yeah, it's 100% her doing these things. But I think the question, it can be both, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can have this haunting, this historical. I think there's a literal. I think the film wants us to believe there's a literal like mal, malvoilent presence. I don't want to say demonic presence, but there's an evil spiritual presence in within the film. And there's also Liv, who is. Malvoyant? Doing, is that a word? Malvoilent. Mal, malvoilent. Yeah. I th- I, in my brain, you're confusing clairvoyant and malevolent. Malevolent. Now I'm confused. Mal, malevolent. Oh, I thought that wrote, yeah. How do I say it? Let me listen. Press, press sound on this. Malevolent. Malevolent. Oh, sorry. Eh. Sorry, my bad. Malevolent. I, I was homeschooled, so I don't know how to say no, things no, clearly. No, 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 it's fine. Malevolent. And I'm black and was a, probably made fun of in a class trying to be like, oh, you think you got big words? There is a malevolent presence, and I don't think there is a... I don't think you can distinguish between the two. And right. the I, I read an, uh, an interview by the director, and she was like, I, I wanted it to be open to interpretation. Um, yeah. And I'm choosing, like, So you're saying there's a, there's a big difference between that and, like, you know... The white girls on TikTok being like, "What's the problem? I can say the n word." Like, what's uh, like? Yeah, they're, because they're, they're not, not making they're, money. Air quote. They're not, well, they are. I mean, but they're not. They're not saying that they're black. Yeah, but they're they're still wearing blackness as a they costume are. and sure. not acknowledging their wrongdoing. And there's a danger to that. Absolutely, I'm not saying there isn't a danger. I think there's levels of danger. I agree. Right, like someone like a Rachel, you know, Dolzier. Her situation, yeah, Dolezal. Rachel, I think it's Dolezal. I don't Dol- know. I'm, I don't I'm know. being Rachel Dolezal. Probably caused more damage than, like, if we're gonna talk about damage and and levels of influence, right? Yeah, like, especially when you're like a professor for students. And yeah, you're, you're like you're. Yeah, I mean the the betrayal of distrust. That the betrayal. Yeah. It's about of, harm reduction. We're like point. a white girl <laughs> saying the n word. Yes, horrible, not acceptable, <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, it's like well, I'm most girl, but yeah. but sh- that white girl's not deceiving black students and not deceiving black academics yeah. and not deceiving black people. They, they're but like, I think there's a level of like everyone. It's like no matter what harm you're doing at what level, you you need there needs to be some level of accountability that, 100%. that, that matches that. But um, 
Yeah, it's it's hard. It's so it's 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 a space where we sort of have to deprioritize, you know, the white twerker on TikTok and and really look at the but but that's how they become, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you don't go from zero to Rachel Dolezal, yeah. you mutate, you know what I'm saying? Mutate. <laughs> yeah. So if we stop the the mutants, maybe that'll be done. Um let's let's get to the size real yeah, quick because I, I have two big size. I have two big, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Um, one is, there was one scene where Gail, a black woman, was jogging at night. That just wouldn't happen. <laughs> like, she sees something dangerous happening on campus. I just, I'm just, I've been a black woman all 31 years of my life. That I never seen no black girl jogging at night in the snow. I, I, I just think that was the one time I was like. She wasn't wearing gloves either. Well, that that's the runner in you said that, but the the black in me said like, girl, you so, wouldn't be running at night. Come so on. I, okay, I when we were watching it, you uh, did oh, you say have a that. Rebuttal? I think to me that is another element of her intentionally trying to assimilate. Okay, you know what I mean, like I you like can, you can you can being so like I'm out in this country and I the only time I can run it at night, like I'm gonna you know I'm the master, like I can do this. Right. I could see her sort of I could. It would have been interesting if they had a scene where she's like, ah, I don't know if I should go out. Run right. Out. And her be being like, accurate. you know what? No, I'm the master. And her sort of yeah. like white, you know, or maybe uh, another professor says, oh, I'm going to do a night jog. And like, wait, you run at night? Yeah, it's no problem. It's super safe around here. And then her sort of having a quick internal struggle that to run at quick. night. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could have done that three, four, you know, three, four minute scene. So that's the one. My second side, and I will ask the patrons about this so we can have a little something, something for uh, patrons. The patrons got a point. Patrons, hopefully you're listening to the end of the podcast, but I think, call me a comedy queen, <laughs> call me a comedian, but th- the movie needed a couple of just quick comedy breaks. Like we needed a little, uh, uh, we needed a sigh at some yeah. points. We needed a little bit of fresh air. Uh, you know, I, I don't think everything has to be like Jordan Peele, Get Out. But to make it, to equate it to that, it's like you can still do Get Out and do horror and then have, you know, the quick, like, you know, the 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 funny just to just give us a moment. Because I think pacing-wise, we just were sort of on the edge of our seats and to a point where we weren't on the edge. We were just like, all right, when is this wrapping up? Uh, so I, I think in order to have some nice peaks and valleys and, denouement and all you know how a story is told i think we needed just a a, something different every now and then so everything wouldn't feel so dark and heavy and slow at some points that's just me patrons let me know if you think the movie needed a little bit of comedic relief or if it was just fine the way it was Uh, i'm gonna disagree with you on that i think the film could have done now the patrons um i love the haunting the haunting of hill house was one of my favorite tv shows you know limited series and i loved there was definitely homages to the haunting of Hill house where you'll see like hands, like creepy hands coming out. And I would have, I could have done more with like gore and more of like supernatural horror. There's this chilling scene where uh, Jasmine looks down the hallway and there's this like witch in a cave, like doing these really extra, you know, bizarre body movements as if she's about to mop something. And I was like, I wasn't really sure what this scene mm. was trying to portray. And I would have liked a little bit more of that, you know, horrific fantasy elements because that first scene I was like cooking in the kitchen and cleaning up and we were watching it. And, and 
like a hand comes out and like, like crawls. Oh my god, we were both just like, oh, Shoot. and that that felt like a scene from the Haunting of Hill House type of thing. So I would have liked a little bit more of that. Okay, so I'm gonna ask the patrons: Do you think the movie needed a little bit more flavor on a Amber side, with a little bit more comedy. a comedy, a quip, a pun here or there, or B? Do you like Vince gore, adds a little like horror? Yes, yes, Super, yeah. I like that. That's a good question. I, I'm sticking in my comedy. With that being said, Ben, why don't you warp up the show? All right. In conclusion, uh, watch on Amazon Prime uh, Master. It's a great, great film. It's short. It's under two hours, uh, hour and like 45 minutes. So you can do it in a single sitting. Yeah, maybe not even that. Like one yeah, I think it's like 1.30. So it's it's definitely manageable. And it's a really powerful film. Yeah. I agree. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Side-by-Side Podcast. Up next, we have a Pixar short for you all, which I'm really excited about. It's called 20-something. It is animated by Afton Corbin. Um, Black characters. This should take like 10 minutes to watch, so we're going to watch that and discuss. It's a bit of magical realism, and we're going to have a good time. So be sure to watch 20-something on Disney+, Plus, the Pixar short, and we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.